uh, before, I, before I start, uh, in light of Veterans Day, um, of course, the veterans get all the thanks and all the compliments and all the kudos. But being a son of a veteran, I know that the spouses of veterans, they have also served in a form and fashion that many people don't understand. If you are a spouse of, a mili- uh, of, of someone in the military, you know, especially if they were called into active duty, you know the suffering and the agony and uh, raising children if you have children as a single parent. And for those of you teens or kids uh, that have a parent in the military or a veteran, thank you for your sacrifice because you went without when you didn't have to. And your mom or your dad chose to sacrifice and allow you to sacrifice for the cause of our freedom. And so ECC, I want to thank all the spouses and all the family members. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Jana. All of those spouses. Thank you, Mom, for putting up with my dad. By the way, last week they celebrated 50 years of marriage. Mom, you, you're incredible. <laughs> and Dad, you just turned 70. You're a good old man. We are currently in a chapter of day, a, a, a day. And this is not a teaching series, by the way. This is culture. This is what we're going to be doing as a body of Elevation Community Church, as long as God wants us to, and I think he wants us to read his word. So I don't imagine uh, this going away anytime soon. So if you haven't joined us or if, if you're a little reluctant, that's okay. Just jump on in. Uh, this week was uh, Acts 15 to 22, I believe. Um, hopefully my math is right. And uh, before we jump into those chapters... I really want you to hear me, even if you're visiting. By the way, my name's Phil Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad to have you. If you are visiting, um, I want to go back to the early chapters of Acts. And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Acts 2 through 4. And uh, by the way, the phone app that Brent was talking about, it actually has a Bible app in it as well. So you can read the Bible on your app. How cool is that? So, um, I don't want to miss the opportunity to share my heart this morning, especially to those who call Elevation their church home. And I want to represent the pastors here, the elders, and the rest of the staff and leaders at Elevation as I share a little bit of what we see in regards to Acts. We see the heart of God And his design for the church unfold as the gospel begins to explode everywhere. Just read Acts and you see explosion of the good news of Jesus everywhere. We're even going to see that today in three specific stories and characters. As the gospel explodes, what happens? Lives are changed. Guess what our vision at ECC is? Real Life change. That's our vision, and if, if you believe it, could you say it with me? Real life change. That's our vision. That's as simple as it gets. And we want people to experience real life change, and so we are committed as a church 
to fully connect people to Christ, his community, and his cause. And that's how we believe uh, we can join the movement of God and watch and see and plan for real life change. So in Acts chapters 2 through 4, we see a movement of generosity happening unlike anything they've ever seen in all of history, the thousands of years in biblical history before. A movement of generosity is happening where believers truly had a change of heart, real life change, and a change of perspective. When you believe in Jesus Christ and he comes in and he changes you, you have a change of heart and a change of perspective. Here's what the shift of heart and perspective looks like. Number one, they prioritize now things in their life that matter to God most. The things that were important to God's heart now become important to their hearts. They are fixed. They are focused on doing what pleases God. Number two, they realize that all that they have, their wealth, their crops, their possessions, their talents, their time, comes from God. And so they choose, shift a perspective, they choose, choose to invest in what God values. Number one, they prioritize the things that matter to God. They invest in what God values. And number three, they take the opportunity to love and serve others with their time, talents, and money. So now they're all about the great commandment which Jesus presented to us in John and the Gospels. Love God and love people. If you love God and invest in what God values and prioritize what God sees as important, guess what you're going to be valuing? People. If you don't value people, then you're probably not properly valuing God. Are you with me? So this no longer, this shift in Acts is no longer about giving because they have to and because the Pharisees and the religious leaders are watching. It's not about that anymore. That's all gone because Jesus fulfilled the old covenant law. That's gone. It's all about God, relationship with God, and loving people as God loves. And so this is no longer about having to give it nor how much you give. It's all about complete obedience to God. Why? Because you love him and you understand how good he is to bless you the way he has blessed you. And those blessings when you give generously and willingly and cheerfully, those blessings come in so many forms. God desires to bless his children who become blessings to others. And so now we come to ECC. This is not a lecture. <laughs> this is not, you need to do better. This is, look at what God's doing in Acts through a shift of heart, a change of heart, and a shift of perspective. He's flipping the word and the world upside down. He's flipping it upside down. And so we at ECC are starting to see this life change. Don't you agree? We're starting to see generosity come from the woodworks and come out of a cheerful, willing heart. And there have been so many opportunities just in this past year 
where you have shown generosity in your hearts, in your finances, in your time, in your talents, and serving this church and this community. I want you to know that, that we see that, God sees that, and he is blessing you. I know that, and he's blessing the movement here at Elevation. And so whenever there's been an, a need or an outreach or an event, you have shown up, you've become faithful and obedient to rally behind that trunk or treat. We had over 100 volunteers. It was amazing. And the stuff that we could do with the talents that you provided was thousands upon thousands of dollars that you donated your time for free. So I want to encourage you, encourage you two things. One, keep doing what you're doing. And what is that that you're doing? You're bringing your best to God to serve him and to love others. Keep doing that. We see the worship team. We see Pastor Daniel. We see the people who are leading on the front lines up here on stage. But you know what makes the church is the people where you're not noticed. Your works and your giving and your generosity is not noticed by everybody. That's what God wants to bless. So number two, if you call Elevation Community Church your home, or if you maybe are visiting or you're watching and you attend another church body, I want to encourage you so strongly and so gently to continue to give faithfully to your local church ministry so that we can, here at ECC, not only do all the big outreaches and the events that we do, probably about six of them a year, and we do them well, and we're proud to say that, is because we have talented, generous people. And our goal, when we do Sunday mornings and when we do events, our goal is to do them at the highest quality possible. Why? Because God deserves it. So you give to that, and that's great. But we also need you to give generously and consistently. Why? And cheerfully, by the way. Why? It's because we need, that. We need those resources to continue our day-to-day -day operations as a ministry. We, when we collect for different outreaches and offerings, that is separate from our normal monthly budget. And so I'm not asking for you to give to the church. I'm asking you to be generous to what God has given you and called you to do. And so here at the church, you don't hear me. You don't hear the leaders talk about money often at all. And so if you're visiting, I promise this doesn't happen every Sunday. We work diligently to make sure that you, especially our guests, don't feel uncomfortable with giving. That's why we don't pass the plates. We have giving stations in the corners, on the sides, in the back, and we have a, a phone app where you can give online. But we try not to make you uncomfortable, and we don't want people to walk away with the perception that we're after your money, or even God after your money. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. And so the truth of the matter is we don't teach and model this generosity enough. So what we're going to be doing in the next couple weeks is we're going to be sharing during the holiday season, we're going to be sharing many different opportunities for you to give above and beyond your consistent giving to the church ministry, the day in, day out ministry. 
we're going to share with you those opportunities that are coming up. We're going to get to support New Life Clinic, and we're going to get to even uh, contribute to the needs that this church building and uh, renovations and maintenance and utilities have that aren't in the budget. And so we're also in the new year, I can't wait for for you to, to hear from the elders and several of the leaders in the church that have been pouring out their time and their talent into seeing where we can be good stewards of our resources. And so in the new year, we are going to share with you where we're at financially. We're going to be very transparent and clear and honest with you where we're at and where we see God taking us. And so I just say all of this as we look at Acts chapter 2 to 4. I know I'm going fast because I have a sermon to preach. I want to remind us that just in Acts, all the incredible things that God is doing is all because of the faithfulness that the Holy Spirit is bringing in believers and followers of Christ like you and me. What is happening here at ECC, and I'm not comparing to any other church, but we should be thrilled and excited to see what God's doing here. He's doing incredible things through incredible, talented people, faithful and humble people like yourself. Stay generous. Stay faithful. Don't forget that ministries around you, not just Elevation Community Church, ministries operate and function, yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but yes, by your faithfulness and generosity. And so, as a pastor and a brother and a friend, I just want to remind us all that, to be aware of our generosity and our faithfulness, because God wants to bless that. Will you pray with me? God, everything we have is yours. You are such a good, good daddy to us. We are so spoiled, rotten in this country. Father, forgive our hearts of being arrogant and taking that for granted. Let us look at what we have, our resources, our material wealth, our talents and our strengths. Let us see that in light of your gospel changing lives as we see in Acts. Father, guide my words. My heart is yours. I pray that you would open our ears to what you're saying to us personally and specifically. I pray that you would grab our attention and push away all distractions. Open our minds and our hearts to see you, Jesus, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're jumping into Acts 16. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead. We're going to stay in Acts 16 the whole time, okay? And um, a lot of the scriptures, well, actually, I, was, I should say some of the scriptures are going to be on the screen, not all of them. So if you have, don't have a Bible, go on your phone app, or there should be some Bibles in the rows as well that you can use. Um, remember from last week when we kind of just blitzed, we took a skydive trip, we free-falled through uh, Acts 1 through 15. Remember this, this acronym, the book of Acts. A stands for along, C stands for come, T stands for the, and S stands for spirit. Along comes the spirit. Learn that because I'm going to need your help later on in the message. I'm going to cue you. Along comes the spirit. Here's the big takeaway from last week. And many of you have texted me and said how much this encouraged you. This was a God moment. This was not in my notes. God is speaking your language. 
God is speaking to you. Why? Because he loves you radically. And he's pursuing you. But he's not forcefully knocking down your door. That's just not his character. He loves you. And so he's going to speak your language. He's going to speak to how you're wired and how you perceive truth. He's speaking your language. And we see this so very clearly in three specific scenes. I'm going to go theater here because I have my Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up, the whole message, in theater so Tiffany will be able to understand. We have three scenes, three specific characters, and three specific points that God wants to teach us through. So, the curtain opens, okay? Scene one starts in Acts 16, verse 13. Verse 13, it's not going to be on the screen. So Paul, here, here's, here's the exposition. Here's what's happening. Paul is at a prayer gathering. This is not a Christ-filled prayer gathering. This is a Jewish synagogue prayer gathering. And he's sharing the good news of salvation. Now enters our first character, Lydia. So let's put that on the screen. There you go. Thank you. Lydia. Who in the world is Lydia? Well, she's a wealthy businesswoman. Just think, well put together, driven, brilliant, well-known, and well-respected, that's Lydia. She is also religious. We see this from the text. She was at a prayer med- meeting. <laughs> She's religious, but she didn't know Christ yet. 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 So how does she get saved? Help me out. Along comes the Spirit. So that's your cue, okay? All right, good. How does she get saved? Along That's it, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. So cue in the Holy Spirit. Paul engages her literally just in a Bible study discussion. And while he's speaking, he doesn't use magical words, but while he's speaking, the Spirit falls on Lydia, opens her heart, and convicts her to the truth of God. Along comes the Spirit. Guess what? When you're sharing your faith with others, it's not about you persuading them and using elegant words, or else I would not be up here sharing the gospel. What you do is you allow the Spirit to change their hearts. So that is Lydia, and that's how she gets saved, and real life change happens. Okay? We go into scene two. Scene two. Along comes the Spirit, and we see Paul and Silas evangelizing to people. Now, before you tune me out, evangelism, I promise, is not a super spiritual word, or we're not using Christianese as we say it. Evangelism is this simple, sharing the gospel of Jesus. That's evangelism. You know, we see evangelists on TV. We see evangelists coming to this church and this church. They're just sharing about Jesus. Every person who believes in Christ and follows Christ should have a desire in their heart naturally and supernaturally to share the love of Jesus. Amen. 
So now enters the second character. They're evangelizing. They're sharing. Along comes this slave girl, totally opposite of Lydia. She has a demon. She's slave, and she has a demon. Okay? Time out. I very rarely have an opportunity to talk about this, and many of you have personally and over text and Facebook have asked this question. Well, what about psychics? What about mediums? And what about fortune tellers? Is that okay? I just want to kind of see what they know about me. Well, I'm going to answer you with the Bible. The Bible refers to all the mystical practices that I just mentioned as sorcery. The Bible refers to it as evil. The Bible refers to those practices as the spirit of darkness. What I want you to understand, church, friends, family on live stream, I want you to understand that the spiritual world that we talk about is so much more real than the physical world that we're experiencing right now. You have to understand that. And so if that's the truth, we have spirit of light, which is of God and his kingdom. And we have spirit of darkness, which is of Satan, Beelzebub, the devil himself, and all the demons of darkness. You have one, you have the other. You have good, you have evil. And so in light of that, that's not something you want to mess with. You want to be about the kingdom of light. You don't wish any kingdom of darkness on you or anyone else. So I'm going to say it this way. You don't want to play around with the mystical stuff. Why? Just look at Acts 19, where some of the brohams, I had to say that for our brohams breakfast, some of the brohams who were not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, they didn't know Jesus Christ, but they decided if it works for the apostles and the believers, we're going to mention the name of Jesus Christ, and we're going to cast out these demons. Learn from them, because they did not have a good day. They literally somehow lost their clothes and were running around like madmen in terror. Be careful of what spiritual realm you operate in. Pursue the things of the Spirit of God. So now back to scene two. We set up the slave girl. She was probably in her teens. She had a demon, and she was a slave. She was a slave to two things. Physically, her ownership, her identity was a slave to these people. And she was also a slave to the kingdom of darkness by an evil spirit. She was a complete mess. She was taken advantage of. And she was in spiritual bondage. I highly doubt she was on her way to the prayer meeting. But she was there. And she was screaming. And she was crying out. These men are servants of the Most High God. I'm not going to do my screech at all. Uh, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many, many days. Did you, catch, did you catch what the demons were saying through this girl? Did you catch it? Because it's really important to catch. It was saying that Jesus 
the demons. Jesus is Lord, and he's the Savior of the world. The demons. The demons. Have you ever thought about the fact that even the demons of hell believe in Jesus and tremble in fear? Come on. Are you with me? So how does this girl demon-possessed and a slave get saved? Along comes the Spirit. It didn't say along comes Paul and Silas. It didn't say along comes the disciple Peter and John. It says along comes the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The girl gets set free. And Paul performs a deliverance on her. He throws out the demon in the name of Jesus Christ. Stop. Now, this is different than in Acts 19 where those dudes were using the name of Jesus. Paul was using it properly. Why? Because he had the Spirit of God, the presence of the Almighty God, and the authority of Jesus Christ living in him. And so he cast out those demons not in his own might, not in his own strength and power, but by the Spirit. If you want further scriptures on that, go to Zechariah 4.6. So this girl got set free. So now we have a major problem. The owners of the slave no longer are making an income on this girl. Their source of income is done. So they decide to get revenge on the people who took the spirit away. They take Paul and Silas. They gather them in front of the rulers. They beat them up with rods. They, they tear off their clothes. And they throw them into prison. So that brings us to scene three. Lights black out. Lights come up. Now they're in prison. And we see the third character, the jailer. The Philippian jailer. Who is this jailer? Jailers were often highly decorated Roman soldiers. Happy Veterans Day. And get this, as the retirement gift, they got to run a jail. Thank you so much. That is such a blessing. I get to run a jail. And it wasn't like a prison here in America, y'all. So we see this older Jailer, middle-class man, hardened, cynical, sarcastic to life, doesn't have the greatest perspective. Our scene takes place in the inner prison. So just to kind of paint the scene for you, it was usually the lowest part of the building. It was disgusting. All the fecal matter ran down to the bottom of the cell where they were at. It was dark, dank, not somewhere you want to be. Their feet in stocks, this was just not them chained to a bench. Roman stocks were chained, suspended from the ceiling. They'd lay you on your back. This was after they were stripped. This was after they were beaten falsely accused, laid on your back, they hook your ankles into the steel clamps and pull you upside down and then strike you on the bottom of your feet. Unbelievably painful. All this for what crime? Sharing the good news of Jesus. 
setting people free. Doesn't make sense, does it? Why would God allow them to be in this place for being obedient? So how does the jailer get saved? That's why Paul and Silas were in the prison. Sorry, I cut you off, Jacob. Why, how did the jailer get saved? Wow, you guys sound so thrilled and energized. Long comes spirit. Acts 16, verse 25. Get this, guys. If you get this, I promise you won't say, Long comes the spirit. I'm kidding. I'm giving you a hard time. About midnight. Midnight. So it's late. It's bedtime. They're exhausted. They're beaten. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Say what? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It, if that wasn't bad enough, they're stretched to their limits in incredibly painful and dreadful circumstances. I think they would be completely justified to post something on Facebook trying to get as many people to sympathize and give all these emoticons to say, I'm so sorry, someone needs to let them out of prison. Thank you. Look what they're going through. They have every reason to complain and moan and say, God, why are you doing this to me? What happens? Well, before that, let's stop for a minute. Let's look at our current circumstances that we complain about. Our current circumstances that maybe are valid. They are difficult. They are hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to demean or undermine, uh, undermine your circumstances, but it sure gives us a new perspective when we see what these men are going through and they choose to praise God. I think they have a proper perspective, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So let's continue reading about Midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Did you catch that? He had an audience. They were watching him. Maybe that was why God had them in the jail for the first place. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Along comes the Spirit. Like any good play, any musical, any movie, the hero is set free. And they go on to live a happily ever after life, right? Why are Paul and Silas still there? They're innocent. They know they're innocent. They know they shouldn't be in prison. Now the walls are down, chains are off. Along comes the spirit. Run, Paul, run. Go, Silas, go. What are you doing? But the Spirit of God had other plans. And Paul was in tune enough with the Holy Spirit to know and recognize that God wanted them there. God 
had a plan to reach Philippi. And guess what? If you even read before, you can read that Paul even prays to God to reach Philippi. Do you think that when he was on his knees praying to God to reach Philippi, that he thought that he would be shackled, lifted upside down, beaten in a prison for nothing? Have you ever prayed something? And when God answers your prayer, you think, what in the world? are you doing and that's g-rated god what are you doing i I take that back i didn't i didn't mean that i didn't mean that I, i didn't expect that god why do you not like me god so paul stands there with his freedom to the right which he justly deserved and this cruel torturing jailer who had beaten him all day and all night to his left. And the Apostle Paul turns his back on his freedom, y'all, so that he can go back and proclaim the good news of salvation to this jailer. Guys, ladies, teens, those watching on live stream, listening online, It wasn't the earthquake that changed the jailer. It was what Paul and Silas did in the earthquake and after the earthquake that brought impact to the jailer. I hope you see that. And so Paul stops the guard from taking his own life because the penalty in those days of letting a prisoner go on your own watch was taking your own life. And Paul says, stop, don't harm yourself. Acts 16, 28 to 34, don't harm yourself, for we all are here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear for his life, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along his entire household that had been changed and believed in God. Wow, that's real life change. Three scenes. Three characters, three miraculous acts of life change, all orchestrated by God. By the way, God, three in one. Three is perfection, completion. So let's look at three takeaways from these three scenes and these three characters. Number one takeaway. If you have notes, you have an insert as well. You have an insert as well with your teaching notes. Please take notes. It's for your good, I promise. Number one, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Key theme of Acts. No, I'm not making this up. The gospel is for everyone. Rich, religious, woman, a slave girl and a middle-class jailer. Why would God depict three totally opposite characters to reveal his life-changing power? 
is because the gospel is for everyone. Do you know what Jewish men would pray every morning? I'm not making this up. According to their ancient book of prayers, the Siddur, the men would open it up and they would pray this. Lord, I thank you that I am not a woman. That wouldn't go well here, would it? A slave, and I'm thankful I'm not a Gentile. Jewish men felt lifted up amongst women, Gentiles who weren't Jews, by the way. They were defiled. They weren't of God. And slaves. Guess who Jesus saved? Women, Gentiles, and slaves. It's not by accident. All mankind, rich, poor, black, white, young, old, conservative, liberal, yes, liberal, religious, irreligious, from good families, from broken families, they're given access to the greatest news of all. Jesus loves them and saves them. Chris Green, I mentioned this last Sunday, man has one problem, sin. We are all part of one race, human, with one hope, the resurrection. Get this, guys. Lydia's eyes are open because the Spirit came and gave her understanding and conviction of the truth. The slave girl delivered from slavery of a dark, evil spirit and delivered from her identity of being a slave to being a child of God, a daughter of the Most High King. And then we have the jailer witnesses the power, the mighty power of God by delivering the men that he himself put into jail. And then if that wasn't incredible, the people that God had freed through his spirit stayed so that they could save not only his physical body, but his spiritual as well. This is incredible life change because the gospel is for everybody. Why? God is pursuing you because he loves you and he did everything that you couldn't do so that you could be with God forever. That's amazing, amazing news. Takeaway two. Takeaway number two is this. It's the free gift of salvation. It's free. The jailer then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you know what Paul says? Do. Do. There's nothing you can do. Salvation is not something you do, but it's something that has been done for you by Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That, ladies and gentlemen, is as simple as it gets. Jacob, could you hand me that chair real quick? Pastor Jacob, our youth pastor, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, sir. Every one of you this morning, every one of you, I don't see many people standing. Every one of you came into this building this morning, and you made a decision, even if it wasn't conscious, you made a decision to sit in this chair. And you had faith that this chair was going to hold you up. 
when you sat down in this chair, you decided and you had faith that this was going to hold you up, so you shifted the weight of your body off of your legs and onto the chair to be saved. To be saved means this. You understand that Jesus did everything necessary to save you and hold you up. You decide to no longer to trust in your own abilities to make you righteous because that's impossible. And you shift your weight of hope into your own self and your own righteousness. And you sit in the grace that was given to you freely by Jesus who died on the cross and rose again to give you life. That's salvation. And you can only be in one or two relationships to this chair. You can be standing, relying only in your strength to hold you up. Or you can recline and sit in the chair and allow it to hold your weight and recline. You can only be in one of two relationships with Jesus. You can be standing on your own accord and your own righteousness and your own goodness, which is never going to happen. It's never going to get you into heaven, but you're going to manage your own life. Or two, you can sit in the work that Jesus did on the cross, and he did it for you. All you have to do is shift your weight in fully submitting your life to him. That's it. I don't claim to know you. I don't claim to know what you're struggling with. I don't claim to know your background or how far you've fallen. You believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Well, what's that look like in my life? It's this. Don't worry about a prayer. It's Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you took my place, and you are my Savior. Jesus, I want to know you, and I want you to take over. And Jesus, I want to experience you. Watch your life flip upside down, y'all. That's it. And the Spirit's working. I know it. I feel it. Some of you have never understood that you could be loved. You're loved. You're worth it. All you have to do is believe it and receive it. The gospel is for everyone and the gift of salvation is free. Just sit in what Jesus already did for you. And lastly, a new mindset. Thank you for staying with me, guys. I believe that this third point is going to really bless some people. You see, we can have a totally different mindset and perspective in facing the trials and storms in our lives and the circumstances that don't make sense and aren't delightful to go through. The ones that come out of left field, you know, you hear people when it rains, it pours. And the things that just don't make sense, and honestly, they're just not fair. Paul and Silas had a reason to complain and to not have a good day. But they decided to praise God anyways and sing hymns 
and worship songs. By the way, the hymns weren't How Great Thou Art. The hymns were psalms, so don't make that your case for hymns in church. I'm just saying. Love you. Chris Tomlin is okay. Brent Smith is pretty awesome. J.D. Greer says this. This is powerful, guys. This is powerful. And I use a quote from someone else so you can't stone me. Some of us, when we suffer, are like, oh, God, what have I done wrong? And you start looking to some promise of God to give you comfort. So you then open and flip your Bible and say, God, speak to me, doing the Bible lottery thing. And then you land in Leviticus and say, see, God, I knew you hated me. Why not turn to John 16, and read, In the world you will have many tribulations, trials, hardships, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And realize that your pain is part of how Jesus is overcoming the world because he is using it to help someone else see the hope and joy you have in God. And then you choose to do exactly what he said, be of good cheer. So what do we do with this? Two things, and then I'm done, I promise. What do we do with this? This is real, guys. Every one of us deal with this. Number one, Christian, follower of Christ, if you believe in Christ, have been changed, know that the trials and hardships will come, period. Don't be surprised by it and be knocked off your feet every time someone says something bad about you on Facebook. Or if you lose your job or something like this. Now, there's difference than trials and spiritual attacks. Trials are just the hardships of life of living in a fallen world. They happen. The spiritual attacks is when the enemy knows that you are living for Christ and trying to proclaim his good news, just like Paul and Silas, he's going to do whatever he can to throw you into prison. Prison of doubt, prison of fear, prison of failure. Whatever, not a physical prison. He's going to throw you in and try to cap capture you and distract you from what you're called to do and that's live in joy for God you need to know that the trials are going to come don't be surprised by it and then when they come know this God has appointed you to overcome the world can I get an amen for that come on thank you and the way that God does this is not just by delivering you from your hard times he actually uses the hard times and makes you know that he is good and joyful and can praise and put a smile on your face and can show others that you have a hope that goes beyond this world and your circumstances. If you don't, then you're just like the world. Jesus says, be in the world, not of it. You have a joy. You have a joy and you have a hope. So keep going. Know that they're going to come. Number two, press on and praise with thanksgiving. Period. Now I'm going to get my pastor hat on because I'm passionate about worship. I thought he was done. Yeah, I'm a preacher. I'm sorry. Make a choice, ladies, guys, teens, whatever you, wherever you are. Make a choice to never stop praising God. You've got a choice. Lauren and I say this all the time. and We have a pact never to get ticked off at each other when we say it. You have a choice. You have a choice. No one is going to dictate what you do and say in the moment in your circumstances. You have a choice what you put on Facebook. You have a choice what you send through a text. You have a choice what to say to the coworker. You have a choice how to discipline your kids. 
You have a choice to be fearful or full of faith. You have a choice to be confident or full of anxiety. You have a choice. So are you going to choose to praise God? Start talking about the goodness of God. If you're not in a 222 group, get in one. Start talking about the goodness of God. I promise you, your emotions will change because your spirit now is in control. And what you put in comes out. Why do we encourage you to worship so exuberantly in this place? Because we want you to sing about it. We want you to think about it. We want you to know that God is good. Maybe even just put a smile on your face. It helps. I can't tell you from a worship leader and a pastor, when we're talking about the goodness of God and how he's forgiven us and saved us, and you can't even work up a smile. When we get a glimpse of how absolutely, incredibly majestic and how mind-blowingly awesome Jesus is, you won't be able to contain yourself. Now, I know. I know we're all wired differently. I know veterans, men, we're taught to be stoic, taught to be strong, not show emotion. I'm not fighting against that. I know we're all different. We express our emotions differently. I'm not trying to push that mold on anybody. However, before you use that to justify your cause, take note on how you cheer for a football game today. Take note how you react with your friends and family as you watch your favorite actors on a TV show. Take note how you act and respond and go ballistically crazy when your favorite artist is on stage. Take note. Because, guys, I have to ask you, has any athlete on a team that you've cheered for and gone ballistic for, has any artist that you go crazy for, any actor you go crazy for, have been by your bedside when you're in the most pain, in the most severe storm, have they come and said to you, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you? That these waters will not overcome you? I am not trying to shed guilt or shame. I'm trying to show you that Jesus is the answer. And if he changes your life, let him know how grateful you are. I promise you I'm almost done. Listen, listen, please, please listen. Please listen, please, please listen. Please listen. Listen, please. Pain. My dad's going to say amen to this. Sherry's going to say amen to this. Bill Tackett's going to say amen to this. He already does anyways. Pain and unfortunate circumstances are your chance to put your hope and joy in God on display. Pain and tragedy are our best chances to witness. Why do I love doing funerals? That's morbid. I love doing funerals just like Annette's funeral 
on Monday is because we get the chance to say that this life did not defeat her. That this life did not put her in the ground. Jesus is the answer, y'all. How about, how about we as a church, how about we make this challenge? Whoo, this will change our community, y'all. How about we resolve that in the worst of the worst situations, the best of the best is going to come out of us so the world can see the greatest and greatest of saviors. That's why God delights in us going through storms. He wants us to bleed out Jesus. Go home today with your kids, family. We focus on families here. We want you to disciple your kids. Do this. I'm, I promise it's on live stream. I promise I'll do it as well with, my, with, uh, with Joseph. Take two glasses of water, one cold, and one make it boiling hot. Okay? Take two bags, tea bags. Take two. Put one in the cold water and one in the hot water. I guarantee you will see nothing come out of that tea bag in cold water. When it's comfortable, when it has nothing reacting against the content in the tea bag. Now put it in the hot water. And it, the stuff in the tea bag is just going to start ooing out. God puts you in hot water. And he allows circumstances that seem unfair, that are hard, to get Jesus out to others. There is no greater opportunity to share Jesus than in your greatest pain. A.W. Tozer says this and uh, 10 years ago. I was going through a major valley, and this spoke to me. It says this, God will not use you mightily until he's wounded you deeply. Some of you are in the prison of a bad relationship. Some of you are in the prison of a tough job, losing your job maybe, chronic health problems, a victim of injustice. I'm not telling you that you can't remedy it and do what you can to remedy it. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is never lose the joy of your relationship and your victory through Jesus Christ. Get this. Other prisoners are watching you. Are they going to see any difference in you? than another person who doesn't have Christ. So what I'm going to do this morning, we're going to end with an upbeat praise, and you guys can, uh, you can at least get started. I'm going to be vulnerable to you. And I want you to come to my living room, or in my office, or in my car. And when I'm discouraged and when I'm struggling, this is what I try to do. God, I'm struggling right now, but I know that you are greater. You are so much greater than my circumstances. So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask you to come and fall upon my life. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come and I'm asking you to take over and bring on a garment of praise and thanksgiving in my life to push out all the heaviness, all the weight, all the stress, what people are saying about me, what people are saying about my family, what people are doing to me, all the things that are going on, God, I lift to you, and I ask that you would get the glory from it, however, wherever, and whatever, God. I thank you, Father, for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I ask that they would be 
that they would be protected by you and that you would do a work of your Holy Spirit in them. God, I thank you that you live in me. I thank you that greater are you that is in me than he who is in the world. I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, I thank you that you love me and you chose me and you live inside of me and nothing can separate me from your love. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing. God, would you just, would you put the enemies in silence because what you're doing in my life? Would you bless and protect the people at Elevation? God, thank you for bringing real life change. Thank you, God, for saving me. Is anyone listening to me? Is anyone with me? God, you are good. 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 Yea, through though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I praise you. I put a smile on my face. I dance for your goodness. I put my hands together and clap because you are good. You never leave me. You never forsake me. And I lift your name on high.